Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. And uh, we mentioned uh, Pastor Appreciation Month, and I just want to take a second to, uh, to remind you guys um, that we have uh, four pastors or elders here at, at Freedom Fellowship. In addition to myself, we have Steve Ferguson and John Lane, who are up here leading worship uh, this morning, and uh, Gordy, who's in the back, uh, welcoming people and, uh, and protecting the building. Uh, and so we, we really appreciate uh, all of the pastors. I hope that, you know, as the month is kind of nearing its close, um, I appreciate you guys appreciating me, but I also uh, want uh, to remind you guys that we have, uh, there are four of us, and so I would love for you guys to show appreciation to John, to Gordy, to Steve. We're going to be in the book of Numbers this morning. Book of Numbers, again, another one of uh, everyone's favorite books of the Bible. We have, uh, you know, everyone loves a good census, you know, with uh, all the... <laughs> The data of the number of people in each of the different tribes of Israel. Uh, but uh, this morning, I actually love the book of Numbers. It's full of some really, really good stories. Uh, and so this morning, we're going we're gonna to dive in to the book of Numbers together. Let me pray for us, uh, and we're going we're to get into the text this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for uh, your love for us, that you uh, care for us, that you um, that you pour out blessings upon us, God, that you, you sent your own son, Jesus, to die on a cross for us, for our redemption, so that we could become part of, of your people and, and receive an inheritance in your kingdom and become part of your family. And so, God, we, we praise you and thank you and, and love you for all that you are and all that you do. God, I pray this morning that, that you would speak to us from your word. God, that you would give us a, an understanding of what you are teaching in the book of Numbers, and that we would not just know it, but we would apply it to our lives. God, give us ears to hear what you're saying, and, and give us hearts that are ready to apply what it is that you're saying uh, in, in your word this morning. God, I pray that we would leave these doors better, and, and having grown in the image of Jesus because of our time in the word this morning. Father, we love you, and we praise you, and it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. When I was in college, I uh, rarely went to the gym to play basketball uh, on, on campus. Because the thing is, Texas A&M has a lot of people, right? They're, they're, when I was there, there's 60,000 students. So um, a, a lot of people. And one on-campus gym when I was there. And so that gym got crowded. <laughs> that gym, uh, the basketball courts were always full. Uh, it was hard to get into games. And so, uh, so I rarely ever went onto campus to play basketball games at the the gym. Uh, I rarely uh, went to the gym in college sometimes, and so that uh, crossed the board. That was our, uh, that's another story. But in this case, uh, I rarely went to the gym on campus to go play basketball. Uh, but occasionally, friends would invite me to go play. They'd say, we're going to go, we're going to play a game, pick up game at the gym on campus. You want to come with us? And I'd, uh, I'd usually go play with them. But uh, this one day, a friend of mine, he invited me to go play uh, a pickup basketball game with, with him and a couple other friends uh, the day before an exam an exam the next day. And, and normally, just to give you a glimpse into to what kind of student I was in college, normally, if someone were to ask me to go play a pickup basketball game the day before an exam, I would say, uh, sure, yeah, I would love to. Uh, I can study later, or not at all, right? Like, just, <laughs> let's just go play. Uh, and so, uh, <laughs> but for some reason, not sure why, uh, but in this particular occasion, he invited me to go play basketball, and I said, no, I can't. I've got I've to study. I've got to get ready for this test. I don't know if I was extra nervous about it, or if I knew nothing about the material or whatever it was, for whatever reason, I decided that I wasn't going to go play. And that is a decision that I look back on with regret every, every time I think about it. It was a very disappointing decision because about an hour later, I got a text from my friend, and it's a picture of him and Miles Garrett 
because they had just finished playing a basketball game together. If you don't know who Miles Garrett is, Miles Garrett was one of the best defenders in football and college football in recent history, right? A legend on Texas A&M's campus and was selected number one overall in the NFL draft in 2017 to the Cleveland Browns. Like an absolute legend of a football player, legend on campus at Texas A&M. And I missed out on the blessing of meeting and playing basketball with him because I decided not to go, right? Now, in, in terms of, of blessings, right, that's, that's probably a blessing I can live without, right? It hasn't, I hasn't derailed me too much in my life, not having met and played basketball with Miles Garrett, not getting dunked on by an NFL athlete. Uh, I, I, it's probably okay. I, we throw the word blessing around a lot. Oh, this is a blessing, this is a blessing, and, and so we, we use it really loosely. Uh, and, and, but most of the things that we claim are blessings, those are things we can, we can probably live without. Like it's, it's nice that we have them. We could probably live without them. It's not the end of the world that I missed out on this so-called blessing of going and playing uh, basketball with Miles Garrett. But the people of Israel, on the other hand, God, in, in the book of Leviticus that we just looked at last week, God promised that the people of Israel would experience his blessings. Like God was going to pour out his blessings on the people of Israel. That they were going to experience blessings from God to the fullest. That, that they, they were going to receive all of the blessings that God could pour out upon them. That they were going to be God's people. He was going to be their God. God was going to dwell among them. And they just experienced all of these things. And they were on their way to the land that God promised them. A land that was described as a land flowing with milk and honey. So the people of Israel were set to receive all of the blessings that God has to offer. The problem is. When we get to the book of Numbers, we see that they rebelled against God. And not just once and not just in a, in a little way, but time and again in the book of Numbers. The book of Numbers is all about the rebellion of these people, that these Israelites have rebelled against God. And instead of following his commands, instead of trusting in him, instead of walking according to his way, they rebelled against God. And we get to see the consequences of the rebellion throughout the book of Numbers. And this is what we're going to see in the book of Numbers this morning. Rebellion against God keeps us from experiencing the blessings of God. God promises to bless his people. You, you, are, you are probably never going to hear me say something like this again, but this is what, something that the prosperity gospel people almost get right. <laughs> like, because God promises to bless his people. We, we see it throughout the Old Testament. We see, we've seen it throughout uh, the, the Pentateuch that we've studied so far. God has promised to bless his people, and they were going to be a blessing. God has promised to pour out his blessings on his people. What the prosperity gospel get wrong is what the, uh, the timing of the blessing and the nature of the blessing, right? Because God doesn't promise to give us wealth and health and happiness in this life. Our world is far too marred by sin and death to make whatever passing circumstance we have the, the ultimate blessing that God can give, right? So God doesn't promise health and wealth and happiness in this life. Those aren't the things that God promises to bless us with, but this, there are some blessings from God promised in Scripture. God promises to bless his people with abundant life. He promises to bless his people with citizenship and his eternal kingdom, where they were going to dwell in his kingdom, and he was going to dwell among them, and they were going to, to receive all of the blessings that that, that, that entails. All the physical and, and material and, and, and spiritual blessings that, that looks like being part of the kingdom of God. God promises that, that his people uh, are, are going to uh, have peace and joy. God promises blessings on his people. 
And the thing that keeps people from experiencing these blessings, the thing that will ultimately keep us from experiencing the blessings that God wants to pour out upon us for all of eternity, is rebellion. We know that God wants to pour out blessings in the book of Ephesians. God tells us in the book of Ephesians, he says that he raised us up with Christ and seated us with him so that in the coming ages he can pour out the riches of his grace and mercy upon us. God wants to pour out blessings upon the people of the world for all of eternity. He wants to pour out blessings upon you. He wants you to experience the fullness of his blessings and the thing that's going to keep us from experiencing that is rebellion. This morning in the book of Numbers, we're going to see four reasons that we rebel against God. Four, four of the reasons that we turn against him and that we decide to rebel instead of trusting in him. And these four reasons are four of the reasons that we end up not experiencing the blessings of God. The first reason that we rebel against God is because we have a low view of his blessings. We rebel against God because we do not have a high enough view of the blessings of God. Look with me. Uh, in Numbers chapter 8. Sorry, Numbers chapter 11. At, so at this point, as we've been following along the story of the people of Israel, they have, they have been rescued from slavery in Egypt. They have walked across the Red Sea on dry land after God parted the waters. They have, uh, they have walked uh, up to Mount Sinai where God met them at the top of the mountain and his glory descended on the mountain. He gave them his laws and told them that he was going to be their God. They were going to be his people. They, uh, they then saw the, the glory of God descend on the tabernacle and fire and glory and light descending upon a tent in their midst as God met them in the middle of their camp. They've seen all of this happen and now they are on their way to the land that God promised them, that land flowing with milk and honey. They are on their way leaving, uh, leaving Sinai and this is what they say, verse 1 of chapter 11. The people complained in the hearing of the Lord about their misfortunes and when the Lord heard it, his anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some outlying parts of the camp. Then the people cried out to Moses, and Moses prayed to the Lord, and the fire died down. So the name of the place was called Taborah, because the fire of the Lord burned among them. Now the rabble that was among them had a strong craving. And the people of Israel also wept again and said, Oh, that we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost nothing, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic, but now our strength is dried up, and there is nothing at all but this manna to look at. So the people of Israel are on their way to the land of milk and honey, right? The land that God had promised to give them. And on their way, God is giving them food from heaven. Like literal, like heavenly food is on the ground that they just have to walk out and pick up every single day. And th this group of people had just experienced all of those incredible stories in Egypt, right? They have seen all of these amazing things. And they're on their way to the land flowing with milk and honey. They are, God is in their midst. God is personally leading their camp in a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud. They are on their way to the, to the land flowing with milk and honey. And after walking 10 steps in the desert, they say, oh, this is torture. Like, this is miserable. Our lives are horrible. Like, and I don't even like the menu that God provided. Like they, are, they are complaining against God as if, as if everything is wrong. The, the, what's really going on here is the people of God in this case, the Israelites, have a very low view of God's blessing. 
they see what God has done, and they hear what God has promised. And, and the thing that comes to mind is, well, you know, I bet the food in e Egypt was probably better than what God's going to give us. And we probably had it better in Egypt. And, and the audacity of that sentence from the Israelites is insane. Because they, they, they're, they're sitting there on their way to the promised land saying, God, we had it better in Egypt when, you know, they were slaves and treated cruelly by oppressive taskmasters, and their sons were thrown into the Nile because the Pharaoh was scared of them. Like they're, they're, and they're saying, well, we had cucumbers then. And, <laughs> God, and, and they are convinced that the blessings of God are not that good. God promises a land flowing with milk and honey. God promises food and abundance. God promises good things and blessings. But, but after weighing all the options, we think Egypt was probably better. It's an unmistakably low view of the blessings of God. And, and if we look carefully at our lives, we can see the same type of rebellion for us. We can see when we say things like, I, I, I know this whole storing up treasure in heaven thing is important, but I would much rather store up treasures on earth. I know that God has a, a beautiful design for marriage, but I would much rather keep sleeping with women I find on dating apps than looking at pornography. I know that this whole living for eternity today thing probably has some upside, but I would much rather live for my career advancement and make sure I can check off all those boxes and get what I want out of life. When we have those attitudes and we, we divert from the path that God has called us to, when we, when we leave the, 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 the way in which God has called us to walk, what we're saying is we think that God's blessings are good, but probably not as good as the things we can find in the world. That God promises some really good things, but they're, they're probably not as good as this, or probably not as good as that. So we rebel against God because our view of God's blessings are way too low. The thing is, uh, in this case, they were, they were crying out saying, I wish we had meat, right? Like, this, this food is, is, isn't good enough. I wish we had meat. I wish, I wish God would bless us more. There's something here on earth, in this case, meat that's going to be better than the things that God provides. And they're asking for God to give them this meat because they, they think that maybe this meat is going to be better than the things that God promises. And you know what God does? He gives them what they ask for. God sends a massive amount of quail into the camp, so much quail that the Bible says in chapter 11, and that the laziest among them, the, the, the people who gathered the fewest, could gather just armfuls of quail. And they could eat as much quail as they wanted. And, and they, could, they could stuff their faces until they were sick of meat. Which is exactly what they actually did. <laughs> like they stuffed their faces and a plague broke out <laughs> in the people of Israel. <laughs> and, and they buried a lot of the people that had a craving for meat <laughs> there in the camp. What that shows us is both that God's blessings are better than they, we think they are, right? Nothing in this world is going to be as good as the things that God promises. The, all of the things in this world are inherently empty and futile, but God's promises are great. But on top of that, we see that, that the things that we go after in this world that we think are maybe better than God's blessings are empty. They are not as good as we think they are. They are not as filling as we hope them to be. God's blessings are far better than we think they are. And the problem for us is that we just can't see them yet in a lot of cases. Most of the blessings of God are future and promised. And we think, 
because they're future, you know, those are fine, but the things I can see, there's got to be something here that's going to be better. Because of that, we rebel against God. And when we turn from the things of God, and we try to find joy and satisfaction in life, the things of the world, when we have a low view of God's blessings and we think the things of the world can compare to them, we miss out on experiencing the true and fullness of God's blessings. The second reason that we rebel against God is that we have a low view of God's power. We don't, we don't think God is powerful enough to deal with the things in our lives. Look at me in chapter 13. In Numbers chapter 13, there's, uh, this is the pivotal moment in the book of Numbers. In the entire book, this is kind of the, the, the focal point of the book, the most important event in the book of Numbers. Because in Numbers 13, the Israelites have finally arrived on the edge of the promised land. They are standing right outside. They are, they are just ready to go in. And what they do is they, they get 12 spies, one from each tribe, and they send them into the land to go spy out the land, just to see, is it a land flowing with milk and honey? Get a, get a picture of the, uh, the, city and, uh, the cities and the people in there. Just give us a, a lay of the land so that we know how to approach going into the promised land. So they send out these 12 spies, and the 12 spies come back, and they bring a glowing report about the land. I mean, it, is, it really is a land flowing with milk and honey. They cut down a cluster of grapes that is so big that two of them have to put it on a pole and carry it together when they go back to the Israelites. Like, this land is better than they thought it would be. But only two of those 12 spies give a good report and say we should go in. Only Joshua and Caleb, out of all 12 of the spies, say we should go into the land. The other 10 bring a bad report. The other 10 say, look, the land is great. It's got good grapes. <laughs> it's a land flowing with milk and honey. I mean, it is, it is a great land, but the people in the land are big. And the walls in their cities are huge. And if we go in there, we're going to die. And we can't take them. We, we can't win the promised land. It's a suicide mission to try to go in and take it. So it is, it is good, but, but we shouldn't go in there. And they make such a ruckus that the rest of the Israelites get angry. And they shout to kill Caleb and Joshua, saying, how dare you try to get us to go in there? <laughs> and they start to 